Section thirteen of Lynn McLean by Owen Wister. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter six Destiny at Drybone, Part one. Children have many special endowments and of these the chiefest is to ask questions that their elders must skirmish to evade. Married people and aunts and uncles commonly discover this, but mere instinct does not guide one to it. A maiden of twenty-three will not necessarily divine it. Now, except in one unhappy hour of stress and surprise, Miss Jessamine Buckner had been more than equal to life thus far but never yet had she been shut up a whole day in one room with a boy of nine. Had this experience been hers, perhaps she would not have written to Mr. McLean the friendly and singular letter in which she hoped he was well, and said that she was very well, and how was dear little Billy. She was glad Mr. McLean had stayed away. That was just like his honorable nature, and what she expected of him and she was perfectly happy at Separ, and your sincerely and always neighbor. Postscript. Talking of Billy Lusk, if Lynn was busy with gathering the cattle, why not send Billy down to stop quietly with her? She would make him a bed in the ticket office, and there she would be to see after him all the time. She knew Lynn did not like to see his adopted child to be too much in cow camp with the men. She would adopt him, too, for just as long as convenient to Lynn, until the school opened on Bear Creek, if Lynn so wished. Jessamine wrote a good deal about how much better care any woman can take of a boy of Billy's age than any man knows. The stagecoach brought the answer to this remarkably soon, young Billy with a trunk and a letter of twelve pages in pencil and ink the only writing of this length ever done by Mr. McLean. "'I can write a lot quicker than Lynn,' said Billy upon arriving. He was fussing at that away late by the fire in camp, and waked me up crawling in our bed, and then he had to finish it next night when he went over to the cabin for my clothes. "'You don't say,' said Jessamine, and Billy suffered her to kiss him again. When not otherwise occupied, Jessamine took the letter out of its locked box and read it, or looked at it. Thus the first days had gone finely at Separ, the weather being beautiful and Billy much out of doors. But sometimes the weather changes in Wyoming, and now it was that Miss Jessamine learned the talents of childhood. Soon after breakfast this stormy morning, Billy observed the twelve pages being taken out of their box, and spoke from his sudden brain. "'Honey Wiggin says Lynn's losing his grip about girls,' he remarked. "'He says you couldn't a downed him onct. You'd a had to marry him. Honey says Lynn ain't worked it like he done in old times.' "'Now, I shouldn't wonder if he was right,' said Jessamine buoyantly. "'And that being the case, I'm going to set to work at your things till it clears, and then we'll go for our ride." "'Yes,' said Billy. "'When does a man get too old to marry?' "'I'm only a girl, you see. I don't know.' "'Yes. Honey said he wouldn't have thought Lim was that old. But I guess he must be thirty. "'Old!' exclaimed Jessamine, 
and she looked at a photograph upon her table. "'But Lynn ain't been married very much,' pursued Billy. "'Mother's the only one they speak of. You don't have to stay married always, do you?' "'It's better to,' said Jessamine. "'Ah, I don't think so,' said Billy, with disparagement. "'You ought to see mother and father. I wish you would leave Lynn marry you, though.' said the boy, coming to her with an impulse of affection. Why won't you, if he don't mind? She continued to parry him, but this was not a very smooth start for eight in the morning. Moments of lull there were, when the telegraph called her to the front room, and Billy's young mind shifted to inquiries about the cipher alphabet, and she gained at least an hour teaching him to read various words by the sound. At dinner, too, he was refreshingly silent. But such silences are unsafe, and the weather was still bad. Four o'clock found them much where they had been at eight. "'Please tell me why you won't leave Lynn marry you?' He was at the window, kicking the wall. "'That's nine times since dinner,' she replied, with tireless good humor. "'Now, if you ask me twelve, you'll tell?' said the boy swiftly. She broke into a laugh. No, I'll go riding, and you'll stay at home. When I was little and would ask things beyond me, they only gave me three times. I've got two more anyway. Ha, ha. Better save em up, though. What did they do to you? Oh, I don't want to go riding. It's nasty all over. He stared out at the day against which Separ's doors had been tight-closed since morning. Eight hours of furious wind had raised the dust like a sea. "'I wish the old train would come,' observed Billy, continuing to kick the wall. "'I wish I was going somewheres.' Smoky, level, and hot, the south wind leapt into Separ across five hundred unbroken miles. The plain was blanketed in a tawny eclipse. Each minute the near buildings became invisible in a turbulent herd of clouds. Above this traveling blur of the soil, the top of the water tank alone rose bulging into the clear sun. The sand spirals would lick like flames along the bulk of the lofty tub and soar skyward. It was not shipping season. The freight cars stood idle in a long line. No cattle huddled in the corrals. No strangers moved in town. No cowponies dozed in front of the saloon. Their riders were distant in ranch and camp. Human noise was extinct in Separ. Beneath the thunder of the sultry blasts the place lay dead in its flapping shroud of dust. "'Why won't you tell me?' droned Billy. For some time he had been returning like a mosquito brushed away. "'That's ten times,' said Jessamine promptly. "'Oh, goodness! Pretty soon I'll not be glad I came. I'm about twice as less glad now.' "'Well,' said Jessamine, "'there's a man coming today to mend the government telegraph line between Drybone and McKinney.' Maybe he would take you back as far as Box Elder, if you want to go very much. Shall I ask him?" Billy was disappointed at this cordial seconding of his mood. He did not make a direct rejoinder. 
I guess I'll go outside now, said he, with a threat in his tone. She continued mending his stockings. Finished ones lay rolled at one side of her chair, and upon the other were more waiting her attention. And I'm going to turn backhand springs on top of all the freight cars, he stated more loudly. She indulged again in merriment, laughing sweetly at him, and without restraint. "'And I'm sick of what you all keep a-saying to me,' he shouted, "'just as if I were a baby!' "'Why, Billy, who ever said you were a baby?' "'All of you do. Honey, and Lynn, and you now, and everybody. What makes you say, "'That's nine times, Billy?' "'Oh, Billy, that's ten times.' if you don't mean I'm a baby. And you laugh me off just like they do, and just like I was a regular baby. You won't tell me. Billy, listen. Did nobody ever ask you something you did not want to tell them? That's not a bit the same. Because, because, uh, because I treat em square and because it's not their business. But every time I ask anybody most anything, they say I'm not old enough to understand, and I'll be ten soon. And it is my business when it's about the kind of a mother I'm a-goin' to have. Suppose I quit actin' square and told em when they bothered me they weren't young enough to understand. Wish I had. Guess I will, too, and watch em step around. For a moment his mind dwelt upon this and he whistled a revengeful strain. "'Goodness, Billy,' said Jessamine, at the sight of the next stocking, "'the whole heel is scorched off.' He eyed the ruin with indifference. "'Ah, that was last month when I and Lynn shot the bear in the swamp willows. He made me dry off my legs. Chuck it away.' "'And spoil the pair? No, indeed.' Mother always chucked em, and father buy new ones till I skipped from home. Lynn kind of mends em. Does he? said Jessamine softly, and she looked at the photograph. Yes. What made you write him for to let me come and bring my stockings and things? Don't you see, Billy, there is so little work at this station that I'd be looking out of the window all day just the pitiful way you do. Oh, Billy pondered. And so I said to Lynn, he continued, why didn't he send down his own clothes, too, and let you fix em all? And Honey Wiggin laughed right in his coffee cup, so it all sploshed out. And the cook, he asked me if Mother used to mend Lynn's clothes. But I guess she chucked em like she always did Father's and mine. I was with Father, you know, when Mother was married to Lynn that time. He paused again while his thoughts and fears struggled. But Lynn says I needn't ever go back, he went on, reasoning and confiding to her. Lynn don't like Mother any more, I guess. His pondering grew still deeper, and he looked at Jessamine for some time. Then his face wakened with a new theory. Don't Lynn like you any more? he inquired. Oh! cried Jessamine crimsonly. Yes. Why, he sent you to me. Well, he got hot in camp when I said that about sending his clothes to you. He quit supper pretty soon and went away off a-walking. 
and that's another time they said I was too young. But Lynn don't come to see you any more. Why, I hope he loves me, murmured Jessamine, always. Well, I hope so, too, said Billy earnestly, for I like you. When I seen him show you our cabin on Box Elder, and the room he had fixed for you, I was glad you were coming to be my mother. Mother used to be awful. I wouldn't have minded her lickings me if she'd done other things. Ah, pshaw! I wasn't going to stand that. Billy now came close to Jessamine. I do wish you would come and live with me and Lynn, said he. Lynn's awful nice. Oh, don't I know it, said Jessamine tenderly. "'Cause I heard you say you were going to marry him,' went on Billy, "'and I seen him kiss you, and you let him that time we went away when you found out about mother. And you're not mad, and he's not, and nothing happens at all, all the same. Won't you tell me, please?' Jessamine's eyes were glistening, and she took him in her lap. She was not going to tell him that he was too young this time. But whatever things she had shaped to say to the boy were never said. Through the noise of the gale came the steadier sound of the train, and the girl rose quickly to preside over her ticket office and duties behind the railing in the front room of the station. The boy ran to the window to watch the great event of Separ's day. The locomotive loomed out from the yellow clots of drift, paused at the water tank, and then with steam and humming came slowly on by the platform. Slowly its long dust-choked train emerged trundling behind it and ponderously halted. There was no one to go. No one came to buy a ticket of Jessamine. The conductor looked in on business, but she had no telegraphic orders for him. The express agent jumped off and looked in for pleasure. He received his daily smile and nod of friendly discouragement. Then the light bundle of mail was flung inside the door. Separ had no mail to go out. As she was picking up the letters, young Billy passed her like a shadow and fled out. Two passengers had descended from the train, a man and a large woman. His clothes were loose and careless upon him. He held valises and stood uncertainly looking about him in the storm. Her firm, heavy body was closely dressed. In her hat was a large, handsome feather. Along between the several cars, brakemen leaned out, watched her, and grinned to each other. But her big, hard, shining blue eyes were fixed curiously upon the station where Jessamine was. "'It's all night we may be here, is it?' she said to the man harshly. "'How am I to help that?' he retorted. "'I'll help it. If this hotel's the sty it used to be, I'll walk to Tommy's. I've not saw him since I left Bear Creek.' She stalked into the hotel, while the man went slowly to the station. He entered and found Jessamine behind her railing, sorting the slim mail. "'Good evening.' he said. Ex excuse me, there was to be a wagon sent here? For the telegraph mender? Yes, sir, it came Tuesday. You're to find the pole wagon at Drybone. This news was good, and all that he wished to know. 
he could drive out and escape a night at the Hotel Brunswick. But he lingered because Jessamine spoke so pleasantly to him. He had heard of her also. "'Governor Barker has not been around here?' he said. "'Not yet, sir. We understand he is expected through on a hunting trip. I suppose there is room for two and a trunk on that wagon? I reckon so, sir. Jessamine glanced at the man, and he took himself out. Most men took themselves out if Jessamine so willed, and it was mostly achieved thus, in amity. On the platform the man found his wife again. Then I needn't to walk to Tommy's, she said, and we'll eat as we travel. But you'll wait till I'm through with her. She made a gesture toward the station. Why, why, what do you want with her? Don't you know who she is? It was me told you who she was, James Lusk. You'll wait till I've been and asked her after Lynn McLean's health, until I saw how the likes of her talks to the likes of me. He made a feeble protest that this would do no one any good. Sew yourself up, James Lusk. If it has been your idea, I come with you clear from Laramie to watch us plant telegraph poles in the sagebrush. Why, you're off. I ain't heard much o' Lynn since the day he learned it was you and not him that was my husband. And I've come back in this country to have a look at my old friends and, she laughed loudly and nodded at the station, my old friends, new friends. Thus ordered, the husband wandered away to find his wagon and the horse. Jessamine, in the office, had finished her station duties and returned to her needle. She sat contemplating the scorched sock of Billy's and heard a heavy step at the threshold. She turned, and there was the large woman with the feather quietly surveying her. The words which the stranger spoke then were usual enough for a beginning but there was something of threat in the strong animal countenance, something of laughter ready to break out. Much beauty of its kind had evidently been in the face, and now, as substitute for what was gone, was the brag look of assertion that it was still all there. Many stranded travellers knocked at Jessamine's door, and now, as always, she offered the hospitalities of her neat abode, the only room in Separ fit for a woman. As she spoke, and the guest surveyed and listened, the door blew shut with a crash. Outside, in a shed, Billy had placed the wagon between himself and his father. "'How you have grown!' the man was saying, and he smiled. "'Come, shake hands. I did not think to see you here.' "'Dare you to touch me!' Billy screamed. No, I'll never come with you. Len says I needn't to. The man passed his hand across his forehead and leaned against the wheel. Lord, Lord, he muttered. His son warily slid out of the shed and left him leaning there. End of chapter 6, part 1